You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Before I, before I speak, how about we, we hear what God wants to say? How about that? That sound good? Let's, um, let's be stewards of His voice this morning. And uh, let's give Him uh, a spot and a place to speak before you listen to some crazy little kid uh, from Port Natchez. Um, one of the things that I've learned about God's voice is the first time I preached, I prepared for a month. I had 10 pages of notes, and I preached for three minutes. And uh, one of the girls in the youth, youth group looked at me and said, that's it? And then looked at the youth leader and said, that's it? And uh, I told the Lord after that, I said, I'm not preaching again. You got the wrong guy. That was horrible. I wanted to... Never so badly have I ever wanted to punch a 12-year-old girl in the face. <laughs> but at that moment, I did. And I said, you, you got the wrong guy. I don't want to do this again. That was embarrassing. That was horrible. And um, God, you know, softly spoke to me and said, well, next time, won't you let me speak? And I said, okay. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share just three words that I got while we were worshiping. And I believe these are for people here. And... Um, so let's, let's pray. Let's, let's ask the Lord to minister this morning. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence this morning during worship. God, such a sweet spirit here. Lord, um, above all else, we, we've come to not hear me, but Lord, to hear you. And um, not to worship the worship team, but to worship you. And not to think of others, but Father God, to minister to you and to think of you. Lord, this is your church. And you have full right to speak, Lord, this morning. Father, I pray that um, as I am, have the privilege of, of speaking your word, Father, that you would resonate in the hearts of the people here, um, your voice. Lord, let it be a confirmation for them as to their time in maturing and growing in your word, Father. Lord, let something sink in today for every person here that they can identify with take home and use it to glorify you. Increase our capacity to glorify you in our daily life, Father. We ask these things in the name that is above every name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's just do a little ministry time here. I know this is kind of backwards. We usually, I, people preach and then they might minister afterwards, but I feel like we just, we just want to, I want to do this and I feel like the Lord wants to do this this morning. Um, if you have, I felt like the Lord t- kind of told me three things during worship. One of them was um, he wanted me to kind of pray for people that seem like you're at a crossroads. And, and what he was saying was um, you're stewards of a gift, but you're frustrated. You have this gift and you have an anointing. You're a steward of the anointing, but you um, maybe have run out of juice and keep going. And maybe that flame has kind of died down. And you know that anointing's there. You know that gift's there. But you just there's something hindering you. You just can't continue on. And you just, but you know God's called you to do this. You know God's called you to do this. If that is you this morning, I want you just to stand up. We're going to pray for you as a church body, okay? We're just going to pray for you for a church body. Might be one, might be 50, might be 10, 20, okay? All right. Now, listen to me right now. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Men, be very sensitive right now. It's easy for the, a bit easier for the ladies to be sensitive, but men, I want you to be sensitive. I really want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. If you feel like you're a steward over anointing and you have not been able and given um, 
and just kind of run out. I just feel like you're at a crossroads. Not a midlife crisis. <laughs> you're at a crossroads. Okay, church, you see them? Put your hands towards them. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you right now. We ask right now to rekindle and reflame the gift that you have given these people. Father God, right now we just impart to them, Lord God, an increased amount of anointing. Lord, give them the wisdom to steward that gift to glorify you. Father, I pray right now that of those who are evangelists, the prophetic, Lord God, the intercessors, Lord, the preachers, the pastors, the teachers, Lord, those who have those gifts, Father God, I pray that they be fully functioning, Lord God, right now within your body, Father God, that your body might grow in the fullness of faith and glorify you, that the world will see the full body of the Lord Jesus Christ in his church in all its fullness and all its maturity, Father God. Lord, I pray for their hearts to burn with a passion like never before. Lord God, I pray that they would be choosing to go the route that you would want them to go, Father God, the destination that you would want them to have, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Good stuff. Second one was, um, felt like there were some people here that, and this kind of might have gone with the first one, but some people here who um, needed some confirmation about being led by the Holy Spirit on certain decisions that you've recently made. Um, one of the things that I have found out about Scripture Scripture is God-breathed. What that means is, is that the Scriptures that you read on a daily basis, you know, you should be reading your Bible every day. But anyway, the Scriptures that you read on a daily basis is the Holy Spirit on paper. Okay? So this is a general way to lead and guide my life, but there is a specific way that the Holy Spirit can lead me in making decisions of my life. Nowhere in Scripture does it say Travis Elkins was born to be a preacher, but the Holy Spirit revealed that to me as I was reading the Scriptures. So there are some of you that have made a recent decision or you're about to make a decision and you need some confirmation right now. Those who are sons and daughters of God are led by God's Spirit. That's what it says in Scriptures. And so if you need a confirmation for something like that, go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up. And you know, it might be something as simple as, hey, I need, uh, I'm thinking about retiring. I'll tell you right now, you're not going to retire. <laughs> There's your confirmation. <laughs> you might change jobs, but you ain't going to retire. All right? And you just need that Holy Spirit just to put that stamp of validation on what you're, what you're, what you're thinking. We all need that sometimes, don't we? You need that from your, from your Father. You need a validation. Like, hey, you're doing right. You're doing right. Okay. Church, let's stretch our hands towards these people. Father God, we just, right now, we confirm everything, Lord God, that you have spoken to these people, Lord. God, that as it lines up with your scripture and your holy word, Father, we just right now, we just validate right now in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we just thank you, Lord, that no matter what these decisions, whether they are successful, Father God, or if they seem to fail out and, and, and not prosper, Lord, we just know the one thing that if we do what you've asked us to do and we've taken those steps of faith, Lord God, through it all, you will be glorified. God, that's what we want. Lord, and for these people that are standing, my prayer for them is thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Father. God, increase them. Lord God, increase their capacity to glorify you, Father, and confirm what's in their heart, Lord God, that they have 
have, have yet to muster the courage to speak it. I think some of you have yet to muster the courage to speak what God has spoken to you. <laughs> Father, I pray that you would give them courage to speak those things which you spoke to them first. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. All right. Now, this one is not specifically for, for the ladies, but uh, last one I got was um, kind of just a, if uh, you have a deep hurt, okay? I feel like God wants to do some healing this morning. A deep hurt. And what I mean by that is that um, I can't put it any other way. It's a deep, gross wound. A deep, gross wound. Um, you've been used, okay? Now, there's no judgment here, I mean, okay? But if you have been, if you feel like you've been used and uh, just worn out like a, almost like a doormat, I guess you could say, you always have a smile on your face, but you got some hurt. Now, gentlemen, gentlemen, we know how to hide hurt, don't we? Okay? So be sensitive, gentlemen, to this. So if that is you, if you feel like there is a deep hurt, you've been used, whether it's your fault or not, I, I don't, the Lord does not care. A hurt's a hurt. If you've been hurt deeply, you can go ahead and stand up. We're just going to pray for you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. The only place that you will ever find true healing is in church. Doctors can do so much to stop issues with blood. The woman with the issue of blood, blood is, in the Bible, blood is where life is found. She had issues in life. And God healed all those issues. We ask right now, Father, that as the hem of your garment passes by this church, that we would lay hold of it. If you are standing, reach out your hands up. And let's just ask for God's, the hem of his garment, his prayer shawl is really what it was, his prayer shawl. She actually grabbed part of his prayer life, Jesus' prayer life, by faith. If that is you, Father, we just ask right now that power would come from heaven to them. That the sickness and shame and guilt and disease from the wounds would be dried up and healed by the hem of your garment. Right now, Father, I place angels around the room to make sure that protection is here. And I cast out every demonic thought that tries to creep in on shadows in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we just ask for your healing to come. Your healing to come. Your healing to come. Let it come, Father. We thank you, Lord. May power come from the hem of your garment. Father, we have issues, we have hurts, Lord. Let it come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Well, it's time to go home. So we can end on that, huh? We can end on that.
Um, just give me a second here. I'm not sad. I'm just I'm trying to hear the Lord. So just be patient. You can read your Bibles. We're going to be in Acts, so you can go go to Acts and start there. All right. You better keep reading your Bible. You're going to be next. (laughs) That's good. Thank you, Lord. Man, God's good. Amen. Amen. Some of my favorite things to do is to doodle. My mom, when she would talk on the phone, you remember those phones that had the cords? You remember that? Those big heavy things that you could like kill somebody with? You know what I'm saying? Um, we used to have those in our house. I remember growing up and my mom would, would be talking to her mom. You know, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, just for hours on end. And she would doodle. She'd have four or five pages of doodling you know, like coloring and stuff while she was talking on the phone. So one of the things I love to do is like just listen to the Lord and just doodle different things, write things down. So, well, let's, um, all right, let's, uh, let's preach. How about that? Let's, let's steward the gift. Come on. In Acts, um, you know, our, our time in life is kind of moving pretty quickly, isn't it? When you say so. Things are speeding up. Time is getting short, I guess you could say. And, um, you know, in our, in our country as of right now, we are not facing religious persecution, but what I, I believe we're facing is something called religious pressure, spiritual pressure from whatever it may be, um, politics, government. And um, we are living at that time where our religious freedom is feeling the pressure uh, of outside forces, of principalities and powers, putting, putting things, trying to put things on us that are not of God. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. Good. Now, our time uh, when religious freedom is being pressured, we need to be even more bold to speak the name of Jesus, the only name that saves men. There is no other name that saves men. Buddha was too fat. Allah was too mean. And Allah is not Yahweh. There is only one name, one son, one God, Jesus. There is nothing that saves you but Jesus. Not even your righteous works will save you. And if you try to attach your righteous works to Jesus, then what you are becoming is a Pharisee. Only Jesus saves. He saves the Jew and he saves the pagan Gentile. Some of you are thinking, I'm not a pagan Gentile. I was raised Baptist. No, you're pagan Gentile. <laughs> well, that was my denomination. No, no, no. You're pagan Gentile. Unless you were born Jewish, you pagan Gentile. How many of y'all pagan Gentiles? Good, good. Some of you, well, I was Pentecostal. Yeah, you pagan Gentile. <laughs> only difference is you got a tambourine. That's the only difference between you and a Baptist right there. Okay, I was Methodist, I was Lutheran, or whatever it might be. You pagan Gentile, by the grace of God, he sent his son to save you. Okay. It's the name that is above every name, and it's the only name that saves. Um, as a church body, living at the time that we are living in, 
I really believe that there is no greater time to live than now. Um, this is our time. I feel like I'm at the... Have you ever seen the movie Goonies? Yeah, it's a great movie. A lot of great Bible lessons in Goonies, I think. But you know when they're standing at the bottom of the well and they got a chance to get out, and he stands there and he goes, no, this is our time. You remember that part? Like, this is our time. I feel like I'm a Goonie. <laughs> you know? I feel like, you know, when I've been preaching at churches, I feel like it's our time. I feel like we're at the bottom of a well and um, we're looking to get saved and get raptured. And I'm saying, God wants me to say, no, maybe not. It's our time. It's our time to press on and fulfill what God's called us to do and not sit around and wait for him to pick us up. Now, I firmly believe he's going to pick us up. But if I firmly believe he's going to pick us up, then I got to get my rear end in gear. Okay? You know, I had a student. I teach fifth grade science. Lord bless me. And I got some, of, I got some rough students, and I freaked them out. Uh, it was last year, one of my students, who's a lovely young girl, um, who was really sweet and uh, did everything I told her to do. And one day I told her, I said, I told the class, I said, listen, let's get our journals out. We're going to take some, some, some of these notes, and then we're going to go to do a lab, you know. And uh, she goes, oh, Jesus. And I go, where? Where? <laughs> and I have windows on the side, and I was on the other side of the room, and I jumped over a desk, ran to the window and go, is he back? And I turn around and go, he's picking me up. Is he back? The whole class was like. <laughs> and, you know, it gets to a point where, you know, as a teacher, you can't say the name. I say it, you know. Say the name Jesus. But man, when you open up Pandora's box and you say the name, I got full ride to go do whatever I want to do. <laughs> and so I jump in over. I say, he's supposed to be picking me up. Maybe we should open the windows. And the whole class was like. <laughs> One little boy got, we writing this down? <laughs> I said, yeah, write it down. Remember it. It's going to be on a test later. Not in science. Hopefully you'll pass, because if not, you in trouble. <laughs> but I mess with them like that all the time. You know, there was, there was, um, you know, this one little table there last week, and there's all these um, Hispanic girls, you know, and they're just talking, you know, Mr. Elkins, yes. And uh, this one little girl, her name, she's such a, she really is, she's such a nice girl. Her name is Inisela. Boy, I jacked that name up for like three weeks. I was Inesela, <laughs> any, celery. And she goes, and she was always real sweet. She was like Inesela, and I was like, so I, I. It takes me a long time to say her name because I think any belly, but Inesela. <laughs> and so she asked me. She said, she goes, um, raise her hand. And I said, thank you for raising your hand. Because, you know, sometimes you get these kids and they just come walking up to you. And after a while, it's like, y'all, you know to raise your hand. Don't be walking. I've got, no, stop it. Stop. They follow you around. I'm like, raise your hand, you know. And uh, I've come real close to telling them, I was in Vietnam. Don't walk up behind me. <laughs> but I haven't said that. My eighth grade shop teacher told us that. 
and he was serious. <laughs> and we did not walk up behind Mr. Anderson. I'm coming to your desk, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> you know? He had a red line right there. You could stand right there. I, was, I swear to you, we just, Mr. Anderson, I need to go to the bathroom. And the bathroom was on the side of where his desk was, so he'd just be like, I'm going here. You know? Anyway, she called me over there, and she said, um, there was a little question, and it said, it said decreased. And, uh, she goes, what does, Mr. Elkins, what does decreased mean? I said, he must, I must decrease so that he must increase. She goes, John the Baptist? Oh, that's right. I said, he had to decrease so that Jesus could increase. And all the little Hispanic girls goes, oh, yeah, you know, they start talking. You have pretty eyes, Mr. Elkins. I like, get to work. No, none of that. You're getting all weird on me. You know. Anyway, so it's another great time to act as a church, right? It's our time. It's our time to act. There are five books of the Bible, five books of the Bible that do not end in amen. Acts is one of them. All the other books of the Bible in the New Testament specifically end in amen, meaning that's the end of the letter. That's the end of it. So you do what's in the letter and then there's an ending to it. Right? Acts is one of those that does not end in amen. You say, well, what are the other four? It's very simple. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts does not end in amen just like them. Why is that? Well, look in your Bibles, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, who names her kid Theophilus? In your first book, no. Sorry if your name is Theophilus. Anyway, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Why does Acts not end in Amen? And why does Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John not end in Amen? It's very simple, church. Your life is a continuation of what Jesus began to do and teach. He is the author and finisher of your faith. It says that in Scripture. So we are at a time and point in history when it is our time to act. It is our time to finish what Jesus began to do and teach in your life and in my life. It is a continuation. Your life is a continuation. Your life is a preaching of the gospel. And sometimes you have to use words. It is a continuation of Jesus' life. It is a continuation of that. Everything that He began, everything that He taught us, we take hold of in church services like this, and then we leave and we continue it day in, day out. Day, some days better, some days worse, but we continue it. We are acts, and it's our time to act. Wouldn't you agree? And so our life is a continuation of everything that He began to do and to teach. Let's keep reading. A time to act. What, what is the time for the church to do? What is the time for the church to have? It says this in verse 3. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 
He spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, I just want you to understand something real quick. It says in verse 4, And while staying with them, eating with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you heard from me. And John the Baptist said, This I say, I'm going to baptize you with the Spirit. This is incredible to me because here is Jesus. They saw this man crucified. They saw this man beaten. They saw this man naked, not having a tunic on like some of the movies would like to show you. The man was hung naked with flesh hanging off of his back. And every time he pulled himself up to take a breath, thorns and splinters went into his meat. And he bled. And then they took a spear and just to finish the job and make sure he was dead and gone, they stuck it in his side, blood and water poured out. They took him down and he was in a tomb for three days. Now Jesus is showing up for 40 days and he is going and meeting with his disciples and he is revealing to them everything about the kingdom. Why the kingdom? Why not teach us about how to live a healthy and good moral life? Because you cannot live a healthy and good moral life unless you understand the kingdom of God. And you cannot understand the kingdom of God unless you have hung around the resurrection. Don't even think that you can understand anything about heaven unless you know somebody who is from heaven. Just like this, you can't understand what it's like to go to a PNG football game unless you've been here. Amen. I should get an amen or something. Some of y'all might be from New England. I'm sorry. We'll have ministry time afterwards. You know, it's just so funny because you, you have to understand that he hung out with them. When Rachel and I, when we first moved to Willis, I, this was so sweet. and so it was, it was really cute. People did not understand what it was like to be raised around this area and the football. They just don't understand it. And so we went to our first Willis Wildcat pep rally. And so they start playing their fight song, and everybody is just, <laughs> only one person stood, and she was like, <laughs> and she looked back at me, she was, stand up, and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> woo, a house cat, woo, you know, yeah, and uh. But nobody understands what it's like. Listen, I want to understand the kingdom. Who must I hang out with? The resurrection. That's his street name. <laughs> Serious. You know, Jesus is like, his, like the resurrection. Ooh. Got an offer for you. Can't refuse. Anyway, it's the resurrection. They hung out with him and he spoke about the kingdom for 40 days. Think about this. Jesus, homeboy Jesus, goes and walks through walls and shows up in their living room. Just shows up there. They're sitting there eating and like, man, this is crazy. Can you believe? And then all of a sudden he's sitting right there and he's like, hey, do y'all have any fish? <laughs> now you know Jesus is from the south because he's asking if they got any fried fish. Like, I knew you were the son of God. You're from the south. Right? And they're sitting around there. He's telling them about the kingdom and everything, man. Can you imagine sitting at the feet of the resurrection and learning everything there is about thy kingdom come, thy will be done? No wonder Jesus can take stupid fishermen and change them into world changers. 
Now, if you're a fisherman, I'm sorry. I mean, you're not stupid. I'm just saying these particular ones were not the brightest of the bunch. So he stays with them for 40 days. He's talking to them about the kingdom of God. And look at verse 6 right here. It says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, I just want you to stop right here for just a second. Everybody look at me. This is a question that was asked to Jesus while he was alive before his crucifixion. This is what the disciples wanted. Jesus, let's go down to Jerusalem and let's kick some Roman rear end and let's take it back. Yeah, let's do it. Okay? And Jesus is with them. He's been crucified and he's walking through walls. Tell them about the kingdom. And they're like, now are you going to go to Jerusalem and restore the kingdom? If I was Jesus, I would have wiped them off the face of the earth. Because it's like, are you serious with me now, right now, Peter? There are no such thing as a dumb question, just dumb people. Stop it. How many of you have ever been on a long road trip with kids? You want to mature in faith, in Christ-likeness? Take a three-hour trip with kids. You better pray and fast before you go. Because you might have two kids when you leave, but you're going to only have one when you get there. I remember one time we, were, we lived in Dallas, and Laney was, you know, well, no, it wasn't Dallas, it was Holly Lake. We lived in Holly Lake, and we had Landon. And I'll never forget, one time, man, she was just, are we there yet? Are we going to get there yet? We had to stop and we had to take bathroom breaks. I mean, my gosh, I was at the point where I was like, just roll the window down. <laughs> We're getting there. And they get that. Well, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And it's like, I'm going to turn around and do some damage. And you know it's serious when mom unbuckles. <laughs> the kids shut up whenever they hear click. They just, you know, of course, Landon's little. He's like, ah, you know, slobbering everywhere. And Landon just got quiet. You hear the click. Here it is. On their way to restoring all things to humanity and manifesting the kingdom, here are Jesus' kids. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Click. And this is what he says to them. Watch this. Said, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Church, look at me. It is not for us, it is not for us to know the fixed time, but it is up to us and our responsibility to receive power. It is a time to act in power. It is a time to receive power. It is a time to get the kingdom of God in your life and to manifest it on the earth through your actions, through your words, through everything that you go through, through the temptation, through the tragedy, through the trial, coming out Christ-likeness. It is a time for you to receive power because persecution is coming. There's not a question about it. If the kingdom is coming, then the persecution will. Because the persecution will come because the word's been planted in your heart. Read Luke. 
He says, because the seed's been planted, the sun came up and it dried it up because it had no root. Know this, that those who have received the word will get persecution because you have the word. And Satan does not like the word. And the word is what? To receive power to manifest the kingdom of God on earth. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, forgiveness, healing, power, miracles, authority, power, might, dominion. Those things manifested on a daily basis in our life in small ways and sometimes big ways. That is the kingdom of God. It is not for us to have a fixed time and try to figure out when he's coming back. It is time for us to have power. Because if you know he's coming back, then we got to get on it. When I was preparing this message, the Lord told me something very specific um, as I was reading this. When he says, it is the Father's authority he has fixed by his own authority the time when Jesus will come back, when he will get his church when we, everything will be redeemed and be made whole. It's all fixed. And the Lord spoke to me in this. And you know what he said to me? He said this. He said, Travis, you cannot extend your time on earth. I said, well, what do you, what do you mean I can't extend my time? He says, I know the day. I know the hour. I know the second when your heart will stop. I've said it. I've said it. I was like, well, can you? Maybe you know, a little more time. Can we, can we negotiate these kinds of things? And the Lord showed me, he said, you cannot extend your time on earth, Travis, but you can expand it. I said, what do you mean by expand it, Lord? Whether you're going to pass away at 77, 78, 12, 13, 14. See, we look at time as a linear line, but time is not a linear line. It is a multidimensional thing that can be expanded depth, width, height. See, I might not be able to outlive people, but I can outlife them. Church, it's our time to act in power and expand our time. Redeem the time for the days are evil. How do we do that? We hang out with the resurrection and we receive power. And we can expand our time by fulfilling what God's called us to do, not just as a church group, but as individuals. Amen? Amen. That's how you expand your time. I don't know when I'm going to pass away. I don't know when I'm going to die. But until that day comes, I will go into the depths of expanding God's kingdom the best way I know how. How many of y'all want to do that? Amen. We need power. It's time for the church to receive power. Whatever the season or time, we have power. Look in Acts chapter 2. What is it a time for the church to do also? Acts chapter 2, verse 13. It is a time for the church to receive power. So what? So that we can witness. That word witness in the Greek means this, martyr. Listen, religion, religion. This is the big thing that separates Islam from Christianity. And I want you to listen to me very carefully. Religion will kill for what it believes. But the Holy Spirit will die for what it believes. We are of a people that are sons and daughters of God who, when we have the power of the resurrection in our life, we are willing to go and die for what we believe. We are witnesses until death. You know, it's fascinating. When I was um, in seminary in Dallas, um, 
I had a professor, and I'll never forget this. Man, this just dropped my jaw whenever I, when I heard it. I love this professor because he would just preach to us, man. He was on fire. And he taught us the Bible and everything. But the first day of school, I walked in there, you know. And he opens up his Bible, and he, and he says, okay, got all your attention, you know. He says, okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Word of God. You have to decide right now what you are willing to die for. And if you are not willing to die for this, you have my blessing. You may leave. I'm like, heck no, man. I paid for this. <laughs> Teach me something. But he was serious. And so he gave a second. Nobody left the classroom. You know, in life, we have to decide what we're willing to die for, especially now. Especially now. Listen to me. Other Christians may not believe about speaking in tongues. I'm not willing to die for that and argue about that. If you don't, that's fine with me. That's cool. Amen. Let's worship and let's, let's advance the kingdom. I probably might be a little bit better at it because I'm praying in the Spirit. But that's, I mean, that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> hey, if you think that Christians should wear, you know, long skirts and, and, and buns and and for modesty and all that, hey, that's cool. I think women can wear pants. You know, pants that are long, girt. You know, I have a daughter, so really long pants. Amen. amen. I need an amen on that. If you have daughters, you know, amen. And, uh, hey, that's fine. I'm not willing to, to, to argue with you about those kinds of things. And we as believers should not be in a place to argue about such stupid stuff. Now, what we, what we will die for is this. There is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. If you want to attach any other thing to that, I will go to bat and I will die for that. Whether I'm wearing a long skirt. No, no, I'm not going to wear a long skirt. I'm just saying, like, I don't shop at Target. Okay? I don't care. It's about Jesus, right? No other greater time in history should the church realize this kind of thing. And not hold on to a denomination so strongly that we don't realize that it's about the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if any other church wants to placate the word of God by allowing sin, I will fight for that. Amen? Acts uh, 2.13, this is Peter. And this is what he says. He says, um, uh, but others mocking said they are all filled with new wine. This is when they were in Jerusalem. They began to speak with new, new uh, tongues and everybody understood. Listen, when you start witnessing about the resurrection, you will have those who believe through your message and you will have those who will mock you and say, you're crazy, you're stupid, you're goody-goody, you know the whole thing. Or my favorite was, I knew who you were in high school. <laughs> oh, but I've been hanging out with the resurrection. Who's that? It's Jesus. Right? He says, those will, people will mock you. You know, they'll mock you for what you say and what you do because you believe, because you're witnessing. Look at verse 36. This is how much Jesus can change a person. This is Peter speaking. Peter is preaching. He says this, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. 
Now, I want you to understand something. If you do not think that you are capable of doing what God's called you to do, I want you to look at the life of Peter. Because Peter was a man of great intentions. Peter was a man who loved Jesus. Peter was a man who sat down by Jesus and said, listen, tonight we'll go to fight for you. We'll fight with you. You know, I'm going to do it. I got it. I got my sword. And Peter actually did something. He lopped off a dude's ear for Jesus. I want to lop off a dude's ear for Jesus. Not really. It's gross. Of course, Jesus picked it up, stuck it back on. It's all good. I like to think he licked it. Listen to me. Hear me out. Hear me out. Jesus spits in the dirt. Jesus spits in the dirt, makes mud, and heals a dude's eyesight. And you can't tell me homeboy can't lick an ear and put it back on? That's Travis' translation right there. Jesus picked it up, licked it, put it back on. I add that right there in that Bible. Okay? But Peter was a man that just loved Jesus and he did everything. Now listen, before the Holy Spirit filled him up, he denied Christ three times. Jesus' most hardcore follower... I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll pray every day. I'll do everything I know what to do. Until you get the Holy Spirit, it will be in vain. Because the Holy Spirit can do for you in 20 seconds what you try to do 20 years of your life. And here is Peter. The man who denied Jesus three times. Jesus restores him by the sea. Talks to him and says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And finally, because of the Holy Spirit, all this commotion is going on. And what does he say? Hey, guys, listen, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, was, I crucified Christ. I um, denied him. I'm really sorry. No. No. No typical godly guru stuff. He looks at him. He stands up among him and he says this. He says, you who crucified Christ, repent. That's what he says to him. I stand on chairs. <laughs> you who crucified Christ. Does this sound like a different man to you? It does to me. It is a time for the church to be filled with the Holy Spirit and power so much that you were not who you were. And if you are who you were, then you got problems. Because you can't fix who you are and who you were unless you have power from the Holy Spirit to fix it. And to witness it. Amen? Hey, listen to me, guys, I'm telling you, without the Holy Spirit, me as a person, I am one of the most horrible people. Now, you're not, you know, y'all are okay. See there, I just lied, okay? But we all need the Holy Spirit, okay, because it's time to witness. Look in Acts chapter 3, a couple more chapters, here we go, we're running out of time. Cowboys don't play till three. <laughs> Glory to God. Tom Landry was the best pastor I ever had. Anyway, he really was kind of a, a pastor. Amen. Yeah, I can remember going to Sundays after church and watching Cowboys when I was little, and it was like having a second church service almost. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, it, scripture. Here we go. Acts chapter three. 
As a church, it is time to give what you have. Not just monetary value, but it is time to lay it on the line. Listen to me. It is time to lay it on the line. Acts chapter 3. Peter and, and, and John are going to the temple to pray, and they're they go by this gate, and this gate's called Beautiful. This is a gate, this is like the main entrance into the temple courts, where the first court is where the women and the Gentiles were, and then in the second court, inner courts, that's where the men could go. Okay? So, it's kind of, just want to throw that out there. Might have things changed. Hey, all the women said, glory, amen. Okay? All right? Praise God. And so anyway, they're at this gate, the beautiful gate, and here is this guy who's been lame and crippled from birth. And I love this story because it is so beautiful. It is so beautiful how it happens. And it says later on in Scripture, it says, this man was over 40 years old. Now let me just ask you this. Right there by the temple, that is where all the good church people went. They went through that beautiful gate to go in to worship Yahweh. Okay? So just imagine this. This is a guy that's been lame from birth. He's over 40 years old, and he's been hanging out outside the church walls, the door, asking for alms as people would pass by. Now, let me just say this. This guy's a smart man. He's a smart man because you do not go to people who are not ungodly to ask for money. You go to people that have a sincere conscience. And so he's hanging out there, and as they're going by, he would ask people for alms because there's no way he can make money. He's crippled. He couldn't even walk. He couldn't even get off of his mat. And he's asking people for money. So if people gave him money as they're going into worship, they would give him money because they're going to worship Yahweh. They would give him money. And if they didn't, they would get in there and probably feel guilty. And so on their way out, they would... You know, how many of you ever done that with the Boy Scouts at like Kroger or something? <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am, can I have them? No, 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 no I'll, I'll have some change. And then you, come, you feel guilty and then you come out here. Can I have one of those little mints, the chocolate? Anyway, Girl Scout cookies. But they're going by this. Now, I, I want you to understand something real quick here. This guy's over 40 years old. Do you know that Jesus probably walked by him many times? Because at this time, this guy's about the same age as Jesus. How many times do you think Jesus and the disciples, as they walked through the beautiful gate, passed by this man and he asked for alms? I want you to think about that for a second. Why didn't Jesus heal him? Why didn't Jesus heal him? You know why I think Jesus didn't heal him? Because Jesus wanted Peter to. Because he was training them. So here he goes. He walks by there. And I love this story. The guy says, you know, hey, do you have any gold or silver? I need help. And Peter looks at him and fixes his eyes on him and says, Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. The moral point of the story is this. You might not have much, but what you have, it's time to give. Hey, I don't, I don't have any monetary value. I'm not a very wealthy person, but you have the name above every name. It's time to dish it out. It's time to lay it on the line. Because when you give what you have, miracles do happen. They always do. When you take a step of faith and give what you have, time, your presence here at church, a little bit of money, tithe, whatever it is, whatever it is that you have, that it's time to use it for the advancing of the kingdom, guess what? Give it. Miracles happen. It is amazing what God can do with just some fish and bread. Think about that for a second. 
This is all I got is my lunch. Give it to me, kid. And he takes the kid's Lunchable, and he feeds 5,000 people with their families. It's a Lunchable. Those are good. You get him a dollar at Kroger. I eat some of them sometimes. It's good. Two or three a day. Anyway. Um, but it's amazing when you give what you have, what God can do with it. Listen. Do you know how, and I know some of you have heard this story. Do you know how I was able to pay for seminary and not go into debt with it? And I knew God had called me to go to seminary. Do you know I started showing up at this church when I was 17 years old, just giving what I had, my time coming here, started preaching, started, you know, doing things around here. And then all of a sudden, God gave me a miracle, gave me a house for free. We fixed it up and we sold it and made a profit of it. And that whole profit I gave to seminary. And came out to the penny. To the penny. To the penny. Now, as a 25-year-old man, I've never had that much money in my life. And I was just like, oh. And the Lord was like, you're going to seminary. And I was like, oh. But I could do so much more with this, Lord, to glorify you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can take people on fishing trips and tell them about Jesus and my new boat. All that kind of stuff. You know how your mind works. You know, you stupid redneck. <laughs> I'm going to go goose hunting and tell everybody about Jesus. No, you're not. You're going to get chased by a bull. <laughs> that happened. Am I right? Yes. Praise God, I got chased by a bull. But it's amazing whatever you have. Now, I know what you have seems like a lot, right? Because it's yours, but it's not. And it's time for the church to act in such a way, silver and gold have I none, but in the name that is above every name. Get up, church, and walk. Because it's time to act. I love that. I love how God can take something that I have that is just, it seems insignificant, and he goes, hey, give it to me, watch what I can do. And you give it to him, and he just, man, just... And you're like, I meant for that to happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so cool. All right, that's God for you. In Acts chapter 3, because of this miracle, there is something that happens, and we see this kind of happening in our nation right now. But in Acts chapter 3, this man gets up and walks, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees do not like this. Now, I do not want you to think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees as a religious elite. Think about them as politicians, because that's what they were. So if you think that Christianity should not be involved in politics, you're wrong, because Jesus spoke to the politicians of his day, repent. The Pharisees. They had control over the crowd. They had control over the people. Matter of fact, they had the great ability to take something good, like the Word of God, and to make laws and make everybody else keep those laws while they themselves never lifted a finger to do those laws. That sound familiar? That is politics. It's, that's crowd control. That's power control. They didn't want to lose power. But the problem with it is, is that there is no greater power than the name Jesus. And so they see that Peter and John are taking the crowds and they're having them follow Jesus 
the resurrection. And so they get upset because they're the ones that are supposed to be in power. They're the ones that are supposed to be in control. They're the ones that are supposed to dictate what's going on. They're the ones that are supposed to lead people in such a way as they have to come to them to get a handout from them. But what's happening is, is that the church is acting in such a way that the people no longer need a handout from politicians. They need the name Jesus. If the church acted as it did in Acts, we would not have a problem with politicians today. Because the crowds would follow Jesus. Amen? Christianity is the conscience of every government. And if the conscience goes, then the government is going to become very destructive, destructive and delusional. Listen to me, church. If there's no greater time to act than it's now. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they get Peter and John, and they get in a big circle around them. And they start asking them questions, trying to get to them. And I want you to look real quick in Acts chapter 3, verse 12. Look at what, what Peter says. I love this. He says, And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though your own power or our own power or piety we have made him walk? And I love this. He says, You think because we've gone to church every Sunday that that gave us the authority to make this man walk? And he says, No, 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 no. Our goodness, our going to church, our giving our tithe, which are good things, going to worship Yahweh is a good thing. That is not what gave us the power to make this lame man walk. What was it? The name. The name. I've seen him do it. I learned from the best. Now I'm doing it. You cannot do or say anything that you have not seen or done before by Jesus. And Jesus could not do or say anything unless he saw or heard the Father do it. And so here we go. G uh, Peter and John raise this guy up. He's walking around and they, they gather around him and look at verse 14. And he's talking to them and he says, But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you kill the author of life. This is not the same man again. He's not like, hey guys, I'm so glad you're gathered today. You know, it, he, man, this guy is throat punching, spiritually throat punching people in the neck. You who killed the author of life. You crucified the one who created you in your mother's womb. Look what he says. Whom God raised from the dead, to this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. The name that is above every name. The name that gives us our daily bread. Not the politicians who give us a handout. But the name, church, it is the name that we carry. It is the name that we proclaim. It is the name at that name. The tombs will open. The ground will shake. And the dead will live at that name. There is no greater name. Now, far be it for me to say, but Travis is a pretty good name. It's Texas. I'm Travis. That's my name. That's my first name. It's a great name.
But there is no name like Jesus. Because the dead will not rise from the grave at the name Travis. They'll stay silent. But at the name Jesus, they will be coming out of their graves and be given resurrected bodies. What a day. It is the name that we carry. It is the name that we worship. It is the name that gives us power. Now, because we come to church every Sunday, even though I, you come to church and you grow in Christ, you need to be coming. It is the name, the name Jesus. Acts chapter 4. And it's a time to give what you have, and not only that, but look at chapter 4, verse 1. It says this. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed. <laughs> I love that. I just, I love that. I just love it. I love when people get annoyed at godly things, because I'm, I'm a little brother. I'm a little brother, so I am an artist of annoying. I am. I am. I'm really good at it. I was, my dad has said before, I was the what'd you say baby. You know what that means? He came home from work, and my mom said, I'm pregnant, and he goes, what'd you say? <laughs> he really means I was an accident. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't an accident God meant for it to happen praise God okay what'd you say what'd you say so they're annoyed man because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead what, what does that mean why were they annoyed because the power and the control now is shifting from the politicians, those who controlled the law, the Torah, now to the resurrection and the life. And what they were proclaiming was, if you want to have life and have it abundantly and have a life everlasting, you do not need a handout. You need Jesus. And they felt this, and they were greatly annoyed. And so they surrounded them and started asking them questions. Look at verse 12. It says this, And there is salvation in no one else. This is Peter talking again. For there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Look at verse 13. It says this, Now, which, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were from the south. They were astonished. They don't have a college degree. Who are you to talk to us? You don't have a college degree, you fishermen. Look what he says. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. To proclaim the name, to advance the kingdom, to act in power, to witness to the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I do not need a college degree. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. You know, go to college, get a good education. Whatever. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, <laughs> that's great. Can you imagine that? That guy, he's not been walking, he's standing there going, uh, this is awkward, guys. Uh, just want you to know, I haven't walked in 40 years. This is a good thing. It's good, right? An awkward situation right there. 
He'll stand in them. They said nothing in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they were conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants. And so they told him, they said, You can leave, but if you leave, do not speak about this Jesus whom you worship. They said that to the wrong guy. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. Let me just say this. There will come a time and place in our history where they will say, you cannot speak about the name outside of these walls. Our response is, whether to listen to you or to listen to God, you judge. But we cannot speak of anything that we have experienced the resurrection. If the church acts in power, nothing can contain it within the walls. Nothing. There is a power shift going on. There is a kingdom battle going on. It is our time to act. Y'all stand with me. I'm going to read Acts chapter 4, and I love this scripture. Acts chapter 4, verse 27 I'm going to read this. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had destined them to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Church, we leave here today and it is not time for the church to be timid in the face of pressure. It is time for us to receive the power. And to speak of the resurrection because that is the one thing that we've experienced in our life that has given us everlasting life. How dare we hold back at such a time as this? How dare we hold on to our secret sin at such a time as this? To Christ who gave us everything, how dare we not be bold and die for what we believe and witness? My dad gave me great advice when I was young. He said, you know, Travis, if you ever get in a fight and the guy pushes you, you do not push back. I was like, oh, yeah, pray for him. He goes, no, you hit him in the nose. (laughs) Church, you are feeling the pressure from principalities and powers that are demonic. Do not shove back. We punch him in the nose. Spiritually speaking, don't go out and start punching people in the face. Don't be like, hey, do you believe in Jesus? No. Okay. (laughs) Get ready for this because you're about to see Jesus. Okay. It is time to us be bold. Let's lift our hands. I'm going to pray for God to just fill us again, a fresh anointing in our life. That we live here, leave here and, and live out the power of the Holy Spirit. Whether around the dinner table with our families 
or rather around the board meetings of the CEOs or maybe in the school board, wherever it is, we ask for power and the gospel to be proclaimed. No other name must men be saved, but by the name Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I ask right now that the, the kingdoms of the earth would be shaken because of the boldness of the church filled with your holy power. That those things that do not have a sure foundation, that the man-made things, that the idols of our country, that the idols of our world, Father God, I pray that you would shake with a holy violence, Lord. That idols would crumble. Father, that the, the kingdom of God would be the one thing that stands the test of time. Father, we ask, Father God, to give us boldness and power with your spirit that we might proclaim that name, that name, that name. Increase our capacity, Father, to glorify you. God, we ask for your power, Lord. Lord, I ask for power in my life, Lord God. God, give this power to me, Lord God, that I might better live the life, live the life, live out the resurrection, Lord, that people would experience it when they contact and come in contact with me, people at work. I pray for the people that you work with, all of you. I pray for the people that you work with, Lord. Draw them in. We call the people in from the north, the south, the east, and west. Lord God, and not only that, we don't only call the people in from the north, south, east, and west, but Father, we send these people here filled with power to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is full. Father, we ask for workers. We ask for workers to gather in the harvest. That which you died for, Christ, we ask that we would glean and reap the harvest up, Father. God, no matter what happens in this political process and in this election, Lord, we know there is a kingdom that cannot be shaken that we have received. And the foundation of that kingdom is the name Jesus. It is not the name Trump. It is not the name Hillary. It is not the name that men have among them. But Lord, it is the name Jesus, the everlasting life. Just with your eyes closed. And I know this is weird, but I'm a weird guy, so just go with it. I just feel like we need to, we just, let's sing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you in a worship song. It's the only really good worship song I know. I'm going to lead worship too, man. How about that? Now you know the power of God's moving. Travis about to sing. But y'all know this song. I want to sing this song. I just, I feel like we just need to, as we sing this song, let's just, let's, as a, for our nation, let's just, let's just repent and ask for God to move in power, especially um, for unborn children. Okay? Some of you might, might get some healing from this. Here we go. Y'all can sing with me. Y'all know this song. Y'all should. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. 
Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Church, when you leave, go in power. In Jesus' name, amen.